0: Welcome to School Nutrition Dietitian. I'm your host, Dahlia Kinsey. I work with programs all over the country as a registered dietitian and school nutrition specialist to save operations time and money on everything from employee training, social media marketing, and wellness programs. Every week, I bring you tips, tricks, and inspiration from fellow professionals in school nutrition and related fields. This week, we have Scott Reeves on the show, We continue our discussion about procurement this episode, and Scott clarifies what the difference is between a food broker, a vendor, a manufacturer, and how all of these distinct entities work together to support our programs and provide our kids with products they'll love. All right, let's jump right in. Dietitian, here on a mission To show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind Now you're ready for your academics Focus, time to handle business Breakfast, you don't want to miss it Help your body to replenish Clean food, clear mind, that is the vision Tune in to the School Nutrition Dietitian
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So before we get into sort of the meat and potatoes of procurement, can you tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about your educational background and how you even ended up in K-12 nutrition?
1: Sure. It's kind of roundabout and weird. I actually have my degree in history. I had originally was getting a degree in music composition, long story, short, I was kind of done with school. And I went in, and my counselor said, "Hey, if if you switch to history, you can get out of here quicker." And I was like, "Okay, just get me out of here," because I, re- you know, I really kind—I of, didn't go to school with a game plan. I knew I wanted a degree, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to do with a degree once I got it. But yeah, I just did. Uh, I had gone to music school. I, not to go too much into it, but I had, I had actually. Quit college, went to music school for a while, then went back to college. And so a lot of the stuff that I was learning when I was getting my degree in music, I was like, I already know all this. This is kind of boring. And so, yeah, long story short, I wanted to get out. And then I went on to be a musician for about 10 years and then got into real estate. And then the market that's when the market crashed. And uh, I was in Florida at the time and moved up here to Atlanta I was at a, I was the director of music part-time at a church. And one of the guys that went to that church was a food broker and was a part owner of, of one of the food brokerages. And so he came to me and said, Hey, you know, you were looking for somebody, you seem to like people, people seem to like you, you might be a good fit for this. And they really didn't want anybody with a food background because the guy who ran the k-12 part of it he he just had his own way of doing things mm-hmm. and wanted to teach people those ways so he didn't want people coming in that had a background we had other people you know we had chefs i'm still do we have chefs on um on staff so they didn't need that he just wanted more of hey here's how i do it kind of a thing and so i wound up getting hired by him And that was 13 years ago.
0: Oh, and you've stayed with the same company.
1: No, well, see, not to get too much into this, (laughs) but like everybody knows, there's been a lot of buying and mergers. And so, so food so for food brokers, they used to all be regional very much. So where it was all sort of like, there was one here, there was one here and they were all sort of different in different states. And so manufacturers would come in and they would, have, they would just pick who they liked in that, in that area, you know, in that market. And then what was happening was there was more of this regionalization where everything started to go to where the Southeast. So the company I was with went from being just Georgia to joining up with a group that was the Southeast and then wound up joining up with a group that wound up being national. So everything kind of changed. And that there's, uh, you know, we still today, like the group I'm with today, the company I'm with, they're national. They're also sort of regional. There are regions that have joined up and linked up nationally, if that makes any sense. Okay.
0: Yes. But, so now that's more so, of the standard, not so much
1: regional. Yes. And so that's what's happened more and more. And so, you know, what most of them have, it's like this. They'll have, we've got certain lines that are all the way in all 50 states. You know, and then we've got others where they have us in half or they have us in two thirds or they have us in two, you know, uh, just because of how it sort of works. So it kind of depends on the manufacturer and what works best for them. But we not only do we help, we do a lot of their, we help with their admin. There's all these different things, services we provide for them. But the most common thing you will see is us out with the customers. But, but yes, yeah, so I know that's a real customer, long way in what we, <laughs> So
0: technically, what? your customer is both the manufacturer and
1: the that is very system. true. That is very true. Yes, Our, we we kind of we sit in between and there, and different companies. Certain companies we do more for than others by their asking. You know, there are some like, for instance, we have a couple of very large lines that have people that work for my company, but, but they only do stuff for that manufacturer and they do it all across the country. Oh. So almost like a liaison between it. And so for certain, I I wind up going to them for more often than I go to the rep because they don't, they're like, Hey, we want you to handle all this. So you you know that's and that's sort of the advantage of going national is you can do that type of thing and then what happens is when they wanna when a manufacturer wants to do something or you know if they want to add a new program and they want it to go all over the place they go to one person they come to the one person in our company and then it kind of goes out from there so that's kind of why that national stuff grew out it's because they some of them some of the big manufacturers didn't want to have Different. they didn't want to have one in every you know a different broker in every state
0: right for the Uh, sake of just continuity and
1: yes exactly and it's funny that is exactly what it is and and you know we still have some though we have some one of our biggest lines they have people direct that are that work for them in certain states and then they use brokers in the state just kind of they just every market's sort of different and so now we can kind of do all that, where before it was just sort of, hey, we're in Georgia. Gotcha. You know, and so that's, so all I have to say, it kind of bounced around, but all of us kind of know each other. And a lot of us have worked with each other that are brokers because of people buying other people and that kind of stuff. So it got a little weird there for a while, but I think it's, it's sort of settled it's down. down a
0: little. Well, for people yes, who are totally calmed. new to this, how would you explain mm-hmm. the difference between a manufacturer, a vendor, distributors, and a food broker?
1: Gotcha. So I'll come at it from where I'm at. So as a broker, what we do is, like you said, we have two customers. We have the operator, which in our case is K12, so it's the different school districts, and then I also have the manufacturers who we represent and so we bring the manufacturer's products and we help tell the customers hey this is what's available this is what might work for you you know and once if you are buying a product if there's an issue with it or or a better way you could use it we so in a lot of ways we're sort of an extension of the manufacturer's sales force and so vendors and, and, manufacturer, and manufacturers are really kind of the same thing. A lot of times you'll hear vendors use because then you can link, because there's people that may be selling a service that's not necessarily selling products. And so vendors has the manufacturers. And so it has the food, manu, you know, the food manufacturers and the, the software manufacturers. You know, all of those can get lumped together. So when they say vendors, that's a lot of times what they're meaning.
0: Okay, and oh, is a clearinghouse essentially yes, it does. Is a clearinghouse basically the same as a food broker? Is that just a, a I, term?
1: I I think it's just another term that that, that I've never even used that term. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah,
0: people but, but, really and, don't make the, it easy by using all these different things. The same. I
1: thing. know. Well, and 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 I know, and it's like most of us just call ourselves food brokers. Okay. How the how the district where the distributor comes in there is the distributor is actually who uh it, it this plays in less with K-12 because of bids. We have a little bit of this because but to back up, and so a lot of my counterparts sell on the street. And we have people that are just Cisco, we have people that are just US, we have people that are just performance, and so for them, they really They are occasionally getting new items into a distributor. Most of the time, they are selling, they're helping sell what manufacturer A has in at their distributor. So it's what's a little bit different. In fact, they'll get yelled at by the distributor if they go in there and try to sell items that aren't stocked. So that's what's different about the streets. What's cool is school-wise, we don't have to deal with that but then we all know distributors don't always bid the things that are on bid. So, and so that's where, what we send pricing to the, for the most part, we send pricing to the distributors. You know, I, we all know the distributors. So we're dealing, they're calling us when there's issues with orders or those type of things. So that's how we deal with distributors for the most part.
0: Okay, that really helps a lot. That makes it clear. Okay, cool. So when it comes to processing, so that's another area mm-hmm. that's unique to school nutrition, <laughs> right? So yes. a lot of people have trouble understanding how that works. Can you kind of give us an overview
1: of what USDA
0: yeah. processing is?
1: Sure. Uh, and I was sort of fortunate for me when I, when I first got into doing this, it was only a year or two after I had started that processing really came in. And when it first came in, especially like in Georgia, the state we're in, we only had like Tyson chicken. And that was one of our lines at the time. They were the only, I think, if I remember right, they were the only one. If, if You might have had smuckers in there as well. So you only had, those were the only two that you could commodity process with. And so when, what you do with that is when you have your, and to be honest, I don't know completely how it works on you all side, but you have your allotment and you can spend it different ways and you can spend part, you can spend as much as you want on brown box. And then you have other that you can spend and use towards processing. So you go in and buy a certain amount of pounds of, let's say chicken. And then you now have sort of a paper trail that goes into your bank accounts, which is really, that's probably the best way to think. You have an account that has your pounds in it now, and you user, either use processor link or K-12, which are your two sites. They're basically the same thing, They're slightly different different looks when you go into their site, but it's really the same information, and they keep track of how many pounds you have, and then you take those pounds and you, in essence, sort of theoretically send them to a um, manufacturer, and then they use them in a product. You know, they use them in different chicken, whether you have chicken breast or chicken however- you're gonna, uh, whatever products of theirs you want, you now get a discount because you are in essence giving them chicken to use. So there's a specific, and depending on the product, it's all different, but different different products are gonna give you, you're gonna get more uh, of a discount, more of the money uh, pulled out. So say if, for instance, it's probably best to use an example okay. to make up one. Let's say you wanted chicken breasts and you were getting them and you had, let's, let's scratch that. Let's say chicken nuggets just because I shouldn't have picked chicken because you have dark meat and then you have white meat. And so you have to, those have to be split. So I'm making, this is how you see how it gets complicated.
0: <laughs> so and let's I, just say, I know when you look at the, The spreadsheets that you get from the manufacturer, there are all these options and it does get a little tricky. I don't see clearly how you decide apples to apples where you're saving the most money because there are so many.
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. And I think let's say cheese. Cheese is a better example. Let's because cheese is just straight across the board. And it's a lot of times. You can have mozzarella or you can have cheddar barrel, you can have these others. And a lot of times uh, manufacturers will you lo- allow you to just a sort of, oh, I've only got, I've got mozzarella. That's okay, we'll take it. you know. And they give you the same amount of, uh, there is, uh, so you have value for per pound, you're gonna have value of your cheese. And there's one day a year, in September, and whatever the market value is on that day, Your cheese will be stamped the whole year at that value. So let's just say we're going to make things easy. Every pound of uh, cheese costs a dollar, or that's that's what your value is. So then you take that, and when you let's say you're going to order cheese sticks, they're going to give you, you know, they'll give you a certain pound uh, value towards the product, and then. Let's say the it costs twenty five bucks for a case, and you your value you can pull out is say fifteen dollars so now you're really only paying ten dollars for that case, but they have pulled out fifteen from your uh account and
0: when does that make sense run out yes. So you basically are getting a discount or you're getting credit for having sent them some yeah. of the raw materials for the final product
1: that That's you exactly right. 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 Now, That's exactly is it right.
0: Identical to what you would potentially get off the shelf from that manufacturer. What, N- what
1: is the more difference? and more that is the case. Okay. Like I, like most of my it used to not be the case. Um that, but more and more, that's how it is. So that let's what do we say? $25 is what that case. When you run out, now you pay the full 25
0: Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: So, and, and then, so there's that. I should have simplified this from the beginning. But so that's kind of the process of what, and here's, so then what also gets complicated about this is you can, you can get it three ways or you used to be able to. There's fee for, the two most common are feed for service and uh, fee-for-service and NOI, net-off invoice. So net-off invoice is you order it from the distributor and they deliver your 100 cases or whatever. And when they do, they go ahead and discount you the price but they invoice you. But it's in their warehouse, it ships into their warehouse and then comes to you and what you're paying for is uh, they invoice you. And then, but it pulls out of your account. As soon as it delivers to a school, it actually goes and pulls out of your account.
0: And so you that can is do that as a NOI. smaller district as well. They
1: You can probably yes.
0: do that and deliver to individual schools.
1: Yes. And then they're, they're going to tack on an NOI, usually it's per case, cost. They're going to do. Or per pound, it, they kind of do that different ways. But they're going to charge you also a delivery fee, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, not to get too much into all that, but one of the big things is they're invoicing you, the distributor is. And you still
0: have that in Processor Link and K 12.
1: Exactly, exactly. And what happens then is it actually pulls off, it actually, so that when it hits the school dock, and gets delivered it pulls down from your account it pulls that those pounds out of your account okay so that's noi or net off invoice the other one is fee for service where you actually go to the manufacturer and you say i want 200 cases and they then deliver it to the distributor but you get billed from the uh that's one of the differences the manufacturer actually and then the distributor still will d- deliver it to you okay. but you're going to pay a fee they're going to have a fee for that and a lot of times they will have a almost like a you know a holding fee for the product so wow. that's always between you and the distributor now the here's the so see how you've got manufacturer invoices you the other one the distributor invoices you right the other thing is the good thing there's the other thing that happens is the so the product that is in if you're in oi the product that's in a distributor that's their product and they can break it up how you know who it's almost like first comes first serves Um. so you can order and that can be out and you've got to wait until it comes in because it's just in the general pool of the distributor,
0: but your with balance fee for is already service drawn down.
1: Well, not in not, not until it until delivers. So let's okay. if, yeah, if you if you did a if you tried to order a hundred cases and they only had fifty, and they only delivered fifty cases, only fifty would draw down. Okay. But the other one, fee for service, they can't touch that. If you ordered two hundred cases, that's your two hundred cases. But those two hundred. You know for the 200 cases those pounds have already been pulled out so that that's it gets real confusing because of who invoices when do the pounds actually pull down you know it starts to get sort of you almost need a big flow chart um, I,
0: I was thinking about well where is that flow chart where is it
1: you know i don't know i haven't, I haven't,
0: haven't and
1: seen it and yeah. And I haven't done it. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, I deal with this, I know all a lot of the stuff, but I don't deal with it. Like I used to, we have, we have people that admin people that are used to dealing with uh, when I first, when this all first started, we didn't have that much. And so we just kind of handled individually. And so we did all the admin. Now I don't really do that. I just know how many pounds you have. and, and, how it can be used and those kind of things. And then follow up if there's an issue, but especially with NOI, you didn't really have to follow it as much. We used to, when it was, when everybody was fee for service, we had to monitor stuff more and uh, they would schedule, they would sort of schedule out for the year. We're going to have this deliver in September for the start. We'll have this deliver in, you know, the middle of November for this part of the year. They would have... And we would sort of monitor all that. Mm. But now, a lot more, it's done more admin, especially as more and more people go to NOI because, you know, it used to be when it was fee-for-service, when you ran out of pounds, you might not have that anymore. Whereas now with NOI, for the most part, you run out of pounds, you can still buy it commercially.
0: And when you buy it commercially, is there a reduced rate because you committed to buying a larger quantity at the start of the year or not, really?
1: No, that so your pricing pretty much stays the same. If you bid pricing uh has to be for the it has to be for the whole bid period, which is normally a year. Some people will still do 6 months but less and less now most people have gone to doing a bit every year because it's just a lot of work so that price stays the same
0: and what was the third but, option that they used to have
1: and so the third thir- and i don't think they have this anymore it was modified fee for service where it was shipped in to the it's kind of like half and a half it was shipped into uh the distributor but they still build you. The only thing that really changed was instead of the manufacturer billing you, it was the distributor who billed you. And then they turn around and build the manufacturer.
0: Okay. So uh, not a but major that was difference your, on the school program.
1: Yeah. It was, it was all just an, an administrative difference. And sometimes it was different on what the distributor might charge you. Okay. But that was your pounds. They were there. Your 200 cases were yours. But... I think they used to do that because certain school districts, it was just, it was a legal issue to where they were just paying their distributor for the food. You know, now a lot of people pay multiple distributors, they get stuff sent in direct, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, right. um, we didn't see, I only, and there was a couple of odd chicken because of how weird it is. It kind of, it kind of helped because I can't remember it, There were some legal issues to where they did that. And it was kind of complicated. Long story short, it was closer to uh, fee-for-service.
0: Right. Okay. That makes sense. So what's one piece of advice you could give people who are trying to maintain good relationships with their distributors and with the food brokers? What's something that maybe people unknowingly do that makes it difficult to work with? school programs.
1: Well, I know, and you know, everybody's different from, for, for the school districts, we are, and especially the, the vast majority of the food brokers I've ever met, especially the K-12 ones, we're just here to help. If we're going to come see, you, I try to be very conscientious of, of your time, because we know that you guys are busy. And some of the smaller districts where if it's just if they don't have as much staff, they're very busy because they're doing like, you know, everybody's busy. We're doing like 50 things at one time. So I try to be very, and most of everybody I know, counterpart wise, we try to be very cognitive of the fact that, that you're busy. And so if we show up, we try not to just come in there and 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 talk. You know, now, if you want to sit there and talk for, forever, most of us would do that because we like that, But. But we do know that people are busy and I have manufacturers that I literally almost have to pull the chain on. Okay. You know, er, have to get the hook and pull them off the stage because they'll just keep talking because they think, I don't know, like if they just keep talking, you're going to buy something. I I don't know. I don't know why they talk like that. But I mean, we really are just trying to, you know, we do like to help. I think that's part of why a lot of us are in there. And so, if we don't be afraid if we're, you know, if, if we're trying to come see you, because most of us, especially in our state, we're not hard sell people. We're like, Hey, here's what I've got. You don't like, if none of this works for you, this might. And a lot of times what we're doing is stuff that we've seen that's been, that's been successful in other areas. You know, Um, that's part of being conscientious of, of, Sort of cutting through, and sort of hey, this this has worked well in other places. This has worked well, you know that kind of thing. We're not bringing, in essence, we're we're bringing you stuff where you're going to get your meal equivalencies. We're not, you know, I'm not bringing you in something that,
2: that you can't put work. it
1: on because it's got so much salt. It that, yeah, that goes right. your whole week. You know what I mean? And so, I I think for those who don't know us. It's kind of be like oh just you know and they've had manufacturers just stop by and do cold calls and that kind of stuff, but we've got so many products that normally we've got something that would probably help your your program, right? And so don't be afraid to have us come in, but you know if 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 it's like hey I got thirty minutes you need to cut to the chase, just be you know feel free to say that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I think that's I that's pretty much it. And I have, uh I mean, I was on the street side because of my previous employer, they lost a bunch of K-12 lines. They really didn't have as many. And so they needed my help in another area. And I went out and did commercial selling like to just restaurants and, and what n- the n- normal, I just did air quotes, food brokers <laughs> okay. do. Okay. And, and I didn't like it because I like knowing who, who my customers are. I like knowing my customers, you know, I, I want to see them again. Whereas on the street side, you don't do that.
0: Okay. You know, so you might go in and, and different meet people.
1: Exactly. And occasionally it would roll back around, but even then you're not seeing them that much. You know, I want to try to keep in contact with, with everybody. And go see everybody on a regular basis, uh, and I much prefer that
0: because, because, because it's then you know not really sale- Well, I don't want to say salesy, like sales always has a negative connotation, right? But I know for a lot of people right. it does because people usually they don't put in the time on the front end, or they don't have the opportunity to put in the time to really see what the person yeah. needs. And it isn't about serving the customer; it's more about it- just getting product off the mm-hmm. shelves.
1: That, that is exactly, that, that's a lot of it. It's when you're working on the street side and not K-12, you're doing a lot of it is a lot of times you're, you really rely on the, the distributor's sales force. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so that they're like, so it's like, and cause here they kind of cut to the chase for you and they're like, Hey, can you go see so-and-so they really need you know, you've got these two or three things and I think they might be a good fit. Will you go seal? And so, and I, and so I would go in there. Sometimes I was just like, Hey, here's all the new stuff. And and the chef would be like, none of that's going to work for me, you know, see you later. But it was even kind of stuff where I would go in and sit down with a chef and have a great time. And they're sitting there cooking for you. And you are like, this is awesome. And then you wouldn't see that guy until the food show. Uh... So, you know, there were, So it was really sort of, it was, it was kind of both. It was sort of a shallow experience sometimes. And then other times when you were like, man, that guy, they were really cool. And you weren't going to go back in there for, it maybe never, you know, and you might see them at that distributor's food show. And so I never really liked that. You know, I just prefer now I would say a lot of my sales calls, it's like you talk about Almost like, you know, you talk about life and then you also talk, you know, you mix it up. Right. Um, And I really like, I just prefer that, you know. um,
0: Would you say overall that's more common? Because I've noticed that industry participates a lot when it comes to the School Nutrition Association and lobbying in favor. Well, maybe not lobbying, but going with us when we go to the Capitol and yeah. advocating for the whole industry. So it really mm-hmm. feels more like you guys are just another part of the school nutrition family because we pretty much it, seem it, to have it, the same objectives.
1: That is exactly it. And that's, and that's what I missed when I wasn't doing it, when, you know, when I was out of this segment. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I missed seeing people, you know, you, you wind up, you know, I miss seeing my friends, yeah. the, you know, but we do go in lobbying-wise. I've gone to LAC a few times. That's one of my favorites to do, actually, in, in Washington. And then we always try to do the one here in Georgia. And I can only speak for, for Georgia, but I, I, it seems to be very similar everywhere else in that that's how it is. I mean, Georgia has a pretty good participation rate. For, for their industry. SNA. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. For
1: SNA. Well, for, for SNA, which I then think helps industry as well. They both kind of help each other. Right. Cause I've seen it on the equipment side. You know, those guys are really active. I was on the advisory board three years ago, I think it was at least two or three years ago. And you know, it was, that's a mixture of equipment, food brokers, and then the software. And what you does kind the of advisory that. board do? It's uh it meets on a regular basis, and whenever there are events, whether it, whether it's you know a crop show or it's the regular the big GSNA show, it part of it is is helping to to get those organized from the industry standards. Mm-hmm. You know the industry side, I should say, not standard, but industry side. So, and also, and on that was people from G and And so we would talk about it, just different, all different kind of stuff. So when the golf tournament fundraiser or how are we going to do this? Would it be, would it be beneficial? We're going to have this meeting. We're going to have a kickoff uh, luncheon like we do every year. We're going to have kickoff luncheon. Would it be beneficial for industry to be able to have tables out front? You know those type of things. It, it's really sort of where industry and GSNA meet, hmm, okay. because it's more of the GSNA events. And so that was just really s- sort of helping to organize those for and getting the word out to to industry on what was going on at those.
0: Okay, I didn't know that existed, but that makes sense. There's so much that gets planned by industry, the events usually mm-hmm. seem so seamless that you forget how right, much work yeah. had to actually go into mm-hmm. it.
1: And, yeah, and a lot of it is, is sort of, well, last year we did this. Yeah, let's just keep that, you know, yeah. and so a lot of it's kind of gotten put in place. But then there's also, hey, last year this did not work very well, you know, that kind of thing. Or And, and some when they had the, the like it, uh, I think it's, yeah, and GSNA, they had the party on like Friday night or whatever. And they did the food trucks and all that. And so that sort of grew out of, and well, I think pretty much grew out of the industry board and everybody talking about it and saying, hey, let's do this. So uh, those types of things grow out of it. Like I so said, there's a the golf tournament, just any of the uh, sometimes different trainings will be at it. always Any of that stuff of where really, where uh, the Georgia School Nutrition Association activities would meet up industry where industry could help facilitate those that's really what it was
0: ah okay so in addition to basically just helping match products with the people that need them what are some of kind of the extra services or the additional benefit to school nutrition programs when it comes to working with a food broker because I know sometimes um, there's like marketing materials for promotions that certain right. people have available, and you guys let us know about that. What else is there?
1: Recipes when you need specs when you're when you're doing when you've got your review mm. and they're in there. you are like, ah, I don't have this one. You know, <laughs> we'll get the emergency. Could you get this to us? You know, and we're like, Yeah, right. we'll get it. So uh, we have access to all that, the promotional stuff, which you're starting to see more and more of. By the manufacturers, customizable promotional things, but any of your schools, yeah, specifically for schools. And a lot of times we've got stuff where you can put your logo on it if you've got one, you know, those type of things, or if you even customizable posters for, hey, we've got whole grain donuts, and then or you want to put Donut Day with Daddy, or you know just different they're customizable a lot of different ways and that's really sort of growing where you can put your individual stamp in each district in in the promotional which is nice especially you know because most of them will do it in fact all of them will do it for free some you might have to print out stuff but some of them will even print out things for you in fact a lot of them will right so there's that there's all the different product information training that you're having issues with a product, or or you just want to, hey, we're going to start using this. What's the most effective way to prepare this? You know, that's one of the favorite things I do is go out to the schools. I mean, I would way rather do that than, than sit in my house and answer emails. <laughs> well, what is a typical <laughs> you know day I mean? like
0: for, for you?
1: Do you work remotely? Well, so- I so it's, I use I work from home, but I'm out a lot because and, and part of that's Georgia and part of that's Georgia traffic. You know, we cover the whole state. And so uh, I like to go on a regular basis. Far south. I cover more of far south. I have a few up north, but I'm more of far south. But you're talking four and a half hours, five hours away, max on, on work from where I live. So if I have to go to those, if I want to go down and see a group down, that's say five hours away, I'll, a lot of times I'll end up spending the night, right. but most of the time I'm within driving distance to who I'm going to go see. So typically I will get up. I usually I'll have my quiet time. I did air quotes again. And then <laughs> around by 8:30, I'm usually looking at my emails I have some non K-12 responsibilities and I usually will look at those and sort of whatever I've gotten, whatever I need to answer with those. And then I will go out and see who I'm going to go see, which I'm, you know, sometimes that means I'm going, a lot of times most people are, I think the closest ones are say 30 minutes away. Most of my stuff is an hour to maybe two hour away drive. And sometimes if I'm lucky, I can go see a few people in one area, Mm. but that's not always feasible because people have different schedules and hey, Tuesday's a good day for me. And this other one over here is like, no, 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 Tuesday's a horrible day, you know, but so basically I usually get up, answer all those emails and then wherever I'm going, drive and see them. If we're going to do, you know, sometimes I'm just going to see people and, and Hey, well, how's everything going? You were using this, is this working? Maybe if there's any problems with anything that they're using, we can address that, or I'll show them new stuff. Or sometimes it's to go to a school and test, which is always a lot of fun. And, and so, how often basically, are
0: y'all available to help with testing? Is that more to see if one product is received better than another, or is that
1: to see... It's you- all that. It's, okay. Yeah, it's all that. You know, I have been... Sometimes the testing's... Uh, a lot of times the testings are done for an individual idol. You know, they'll might look at it and go, Oh, I think the kids might like that. And then so we'll go try it. Sometimes we have to try it on, you know, maybe all three levels because one, thing, obviously, something that works great at uh, high school might not work at uh, elementary school and vice versa. But then other times it's where, hey, you know, I don't have a pizza line, but. Hey, you bring your pizza. I want to, we want to look at this pizza and this pizza of yours, and we want to compare them to so-and-so's pizza here and there. We're going to do uh, like a taste test. So we'll do those as well. And sometimes, and sometimes when those go on, it's a big deal because you might have three or four brokers and you might be looking at five or six different, you know, even more pizzas like and sort of comparing them.
0: Or something.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it's really a taste test. So we don't do those as much because they just require a lot more plan, a lot more forethought, a lot more planning. But those definitely happen, especially with co ops or even if there's a couple, few schools on one bid and they want to look at products. We'll do that sometimes where it's a number of products at one time. Most of the time, it's normally, hey, you, don't you guys have this? Yeah, that's ours. Oh, cool. We saw those. We want to try those. So a lot of times I'll take product into a district and the staff, they'll look at it and go, Hey, this is really pretty good. We think the kids might like it. Then sort of the next step is to take it out and, and test it with the kids. And so we do that a lot. And like I said, that's one of my favorite things to do. And then normally I try to make it home back through the traffic and depending on what time it is, answer emails again. That's the normal when it, when it's the other thing that happens, and this happens periodically through the year for us. Whenever there's a food show, that's usually a three day event in that one day we go and set up for the show, which normally means we have to drive to our office slash warehouse, which is about an hour away from me. Go up there, we prep what we need to be prepped, we pack what needs to be packed, and then we drive it to the location where the food show is going to be, unpack it, and set everything out and get ready for the food show, which is the next day. And that's normally like, say, you show up at 9 in the morning and you get home at four thirty five maybe 6. Okay, dead
0: Food tired. show day. <laughs> they look really yeah, entire. labor-intensive.
1: Yes. And you get your you get your steps in. Let's put it that way. Um, And then the next day is the food show day. And that's usually hectic. I don't ever hardly ever get to check any emails. I might if somebody's called me with an emergency, might bow out and go talk to them and and see if we can handle whatever needs to be handled. But for the most part, during a food show, you show up at the place at six o'clock and then you leave the place at six o'clock. And most of the time, I've never sat down in those 12 hours. Mm. So, and I actually kind of like the food shows. Uh, a lot of my counterparts hate <laughs> them, which I kind of get. When you have to run a food show, I have a couple of s- small distributors that are mine, and I have to do food shows for them. And, and that can be a lot of work. But, so setting up can, you know, all the preps can be a big deal on those two. But then the third day is when, so... When we leave the day of the food show, whoever's food show it is, normally like our warehouse guy will drive the truck back and just park it at the office. Next morning, everybody meets there, unload everything, clean everything, and put it back in its place. So it's usually a three-day event whenever we have food shows. Um,
0: Okay. Wow.
1: And that's the other thing. Yeah, and so like Cisco will have one. Uh, U.S. will have one. You know, in different areas, they have a lot of them. We're fortunate in that we only have a few that are peppered around. And the school ones are a lot of work, but they're not near as much crazy work as, say, like a Cisco show. Because you might have, you got 40 tables. I mean, that's that's not an exaggeration. You might have 40 tables there.
0: And sometimes um, in a building that doesn't have a kitchen?
1: A yes, which we a lot of times we have a whole system where we have all these, we have everything on rollers <laughs> and uh, on and carts, and you just push it out there. And we have a bunch of that for it's almost like a it's a movable kitchen is really what it is. And you set up a little kitchen area in the back of the food show, and all the all the most of the food brokers have that.
0: Oh, okay. so you so know, that's different a good ovens resource if you're like trying to figure out the logistics of how to do a food show you might yep. want to start. Yep. There.
1: Yeah, and we do everything from we've got little ovens to fryer, you know, we've got a big oven that's on these wheels that we have to have a lift gate for. It's basically, you know, it's all it's what you would have it's a it's a single oven, but it's uh, what you would have in a restaurant. Oh, uh, you know, and in in a normal ki- in, a, in a regular kitchen, but we've got it on wheels. We can pull it out. So for big shows, we use that. But the, you know, I do sales meetings and stuff where I'll just take a couple, maybe a one or two of the small ovens and then doesn't work for, for K-12, but we have fryers, little fry, you know, we have a double fryer. We have kind of like it, whatever you think of that you would need to cook something in, We normally have like a small and a large or a small, medium, large, you know, so for different situations, we can, we can take whatever's sort of needed.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. So this is something that probably is unique to your field. How do you guys, do you have any tips or tricks for how you're ready to be on all the time? So when you're going out and (laughs) representing your company, how do you like stress of the traffic in the car and just show up all the way?
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think, and a lot of it is, for me, a lot of it is that I just like, I'm fortunate it, and that I like, I like all of the people I go and see. I mean, wow. I honestly, I can't think of anybody that I go and see that I don't like. I can say that with a hundred, there's not anybody I'm like, oh my God, I gotta go see. <laughs> now there are some distributors that when I see they're calling me, or let's be honest, there's a few manufacturer reps that when I see they're calling me, I'm like, oh, God. But when somebody, when it's, when it's a K-12 person, I, I never have that. You know, because it's, it's just a different sort of, it's just a different relationship. You know, I'm just here to help. We're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. I don't, and this is, I don't, this is something actually that's good for you guys to know. Most of the food brokers are on salary. We're not on commission.
0: Oh, um, I didn't
1: know that. So, yeah. So we are, we, a lot of us have bonus programs and that's different things, but it's really, it's not like your manufacturer reps, which are on uh commission. And so it, it's a difference. It, it, it's just, it. so the stress level is different for me, mm. you know, it, it's much more even keel. I'm here to help service you guys. And if, if there's something that's not working, that's fine. I got other stuff over here that might, you know, so it's never, it's not, I don't have all my eggs in one basket. Right. So it's, you don't have that sort of tension of, oh no, you know, uh, so-and-so no longer is buying this. Right. I mean, so you don't show I'm, up like uh,
0: extra thirsty for a sale or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, it's like, I don't have, you know, it's, and we are fortunate. That's another thing. We have a, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of well rounded lines and, and really good lines. And so it's, it's one of those things where it almost always works, where even when a big district over here quits using something, this district over here is picked up and using something else from the same manufacturer. Right. You know, so it's, so it's, it sort of takes away a lot of that pressure of, and it's just more of, as long as I'm out there informing you guys of what we have and what's working other places, you know, because a lot of times if it will work here, it will work over here. So, so it's not, more it's like not always educating
0: people on the
1: that you, That's products. exactly how really I look at it system. and how I, yeah. And, and I literally, like, we're, we're getting ready uh, next week to go out to St. Louis. And so I'll see new products. And I literally, when I look through those products, and I have to watch this, but I normally am like that right there. That's our winner. That's a good product. And then I get excited about it and take it out to people. Now, the funny thing is every now and then I'll be like, I don't know if people are going to like this. And then that's this huge thing and everyone loves it. And it's a runaway hit. So you kind of got to temper what you like because that doesn't always work. But, you know, you usually are pretty, it's usually pretty obvious. When you're like, ooh, that's a good product, and as long and it's got to be a good price where you guys can afford it and fit it into uh, your plan. Uh, it's got to work nutritional wise, and the manufacturers really kind of know all that now. You know, K twelve manufacturers realize, hey, I can't load this stuff up with a bunch of salt, or I can't, you know, or it it can't be two dollars. Hey, this product's awesome. Well, of course it's awesome. It's two dollars, you know. No one <laughs> yes. can afford that, you know. So, 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 and so that kind of all takes away from it. And the manufacturers really do realize, hey, we got to bring new stuff out. They're getting better at what they do. They got better at whole grain on a lot of the things, you know. Right. You know, when though, when whole grain, whole grain biscuits are never going to look. Like they got to where whole grain biscuits, I think taste good. Right. They're never going to look right because it's it's not enriched, flaky white, you know, with a bunch of salt biscuits that we all love. Right. But <laughs> they did get better when they first came out. I remember it. I'm like, oh, I remember when the first whole grain chicken breading came out. It was like dust. <laughs> like oh, it's horrible. Heard but some you know,
0: horror stories. People flash yeah. back like they're really traumatized. <laughs>
1: oh it was well and and the other thing was before there was any regulation and it started to get a little out of hand because i mean like especially salt and some of that stuff you might i mean they were the products tasted great but they weren't as healthy you know they weren't as healthy uh, and and then sensibly they went and said hey wait we're feeding this to kids and so but the the first round the manufacturers you know it's one thing to do it in a in an in a laboratory kitchen, which if you ever get to go to one, is really cool and really amazing. But it's one or thing to do it there. but they do, they do product development. Yeah. It's I've been to a couple and it's really cool. That would be a cool job to sit there. And, but, but the the point is doing it there. And then when you actually go and try to batch cook it, or or batch uh, or batch produce that product and get it to be the same quality, right? But like I said, so the manufacturers really gotten better at a lot of this. So all that kind of helps. Like I said, it's a big fortunate that I have a lot of really good K twelve manufacturers, and so and, and and we have a lot of uh, products that I'm like, this product's going, it, it, you know, this product's great, and I, and and not everything is funny you'll have even within the same district at this school. This is the, it's like the number two or three, uh, day. When they have that on, that's like the number two or three item that sells. And then right over, like in the same County, that'd be almost at the bottom. Kids just don't want it. You know? So, but it's still one of those things that most of the stuff that works, kind of works across the board. So it makes uh we're trying and when the new stuff comes out, that's why we test. It really helps us to, to sort of get a better grip on, hey, are the kids actually going to eat this? I mean, I remember when I tried to so sell sweet potato fries. Uh it would have been great if they'd worked right. But it's just hard to batch cook those. Um I, I can't get into which, them.
0: I don't even like them fried. I just, See, I have I, a bias in I, favor of white potatoes.
1: Right. Well, and it's, the funny thing is it says potato at the end and it's so different from wow. a regular, like <laughs> russet or, you know, and so, yeah, it's different. And, and, and there's so much more water in that product, in, in product, in that, in, in sweet potato. I love sweet potatoes, but you stick a whole bunch of them in an oven and try to batch cook them. Fries are hard enough to do that. Right, you know, just regular fries. You there try are to a sweet lot of really like
0: amazing white fries out there right now. They're exactly. are forgiving. And, yeah, it's exactly. funny just how the naming and something or the marketing, setting yourself up for your customer to compare it to something else, and it really is not exactly. at all the same. Because I love sweet potatoes, but not when they're trying to pass themselves off as a French fry. It just.
1: Right. <laughs> it just well, that's exactly right. it. <laughs> And, you know, and it's back to now, like you said, there are bakeable fries that are, they're pretty happening. You know, they're right. really good. And and there's, and there's some that are lower sodium that are, are uh, that are actually really good. And that's because they've had some time to develop those products and, and they've learned from other ones. So it is getting, and just in general, in the fact schools in this factor are, are, are really ahead of the curve, you know, they're trying, and for the most part, it's not completely like this, but there is a growing group of restaurants and, and just caterers and bakeries and all those that are trying to do healthier products. Right. Uh, And not just perceived healthier, but actual healthier products. Mm, And so
0: that's a good distinction.
1: Yes, it is very, you know, there are, uh, yeah, there are plenty of things out there that people think are healthy just because we all think, oh, that's healthy. And really, it's either it may not be unhealthy, but you're not getting any nutritional value from that. You know what I mean? Um, Or
0: you're breaking even.
1: Yes, there are. I mean, there are some of the non-animal protein, like burgers that are out there, that I'm honestly like, you should just eat a burger. It's going to be healthier for (laughs) you. Yeah. Yeah. The salt on uh, salt, you know, that's, I have high blood pressure. So I have to, I've become sort of hyper, no pun intended, um, (laughs) sensitive to those. And so I look at some of those and I'm like, holy cow. Oh, uh, You know, that literally there are products out there that the recommended uh, amount of sodium you're supposed to get in a week is in that product.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not even pe- counting you know, your sides. So that's not even your whole exactly. meal. Exactly. It's not enough to have it in yeah. one meal, but it's like literally yes. just a quarter of your meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, I Yeah. Salt bombs. So that's what really, uh, we call them.
0: I like these new, re- well, they're not new anymore, but these restrictions are um, actually yeah. pretty generous when you look at yeah. the recommended amount of sodium for a day and then the recommended mm-hmm. amount for people who are high risk for high blood pressure. There's not a lot right. of room. Like, you can barely look at salt. Well, you really can't right. use table salt, like, ever. Right. If you're
1: going to... Yeah. And, and, it's, uh, and there's the thing is, that's one of those things that there was definitely, you know, 10 years ago... There was way too much sodium out there in the products because it's a preservative, it's a cheap preservative, it's flavor enhancer. It does all those things, but now I've gotten to where I I can take a bite of something. I'm like, holy cow! There's a lot of of salt in that. Right. But I think just even uh, because of my issues, I and because of being in K12, I just got used to not eating as much sodium. And once you get used to that it's just your taste buds change. And now I cook differently at my house. You know, I still, I I buy stuff that has less sodium in it. When I do get like, if I happen to get chips or whatever, I'll get just straight chips. Uh, And there's, and there's lower. So there's a lot more products out there. And, and K 12 was really on the fourth, you know, on the upper crest of that. And so all that to say industry in general, that's starting to change, you know, you couldn't have gone in and gotten a uh, potato chips that were you know, now you can get them where they're, they're sixty you know, it's it's sixty milligrams of of salt as opposed to four hundred and twenty five or whatever for a small, you know, or whatever. You couldn't have gotten a lower sodium product.
0: So you're seeing changes at
1: your store
0: all over the
1: food Yeah, it's starting slowly. Okay. Yeah, it's starting slowly. And so it will happen first in retail before it happens in regular food service, except for hospitals or and certain degree, military, K-12. Those are different. But just in your regular food service, because nobody's really looking at when you order something at uh, your local restaurant, you don't know you don't really know what's in it. They don't. You know what I mean? They couldn't tell you, they couldn't give you a nutritional. Um, right.
0: Well, people estimate. Well, then I wonder, you know, I see people um, quote unquote enhancing items
2: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: deviating from the recipe. And that's in a field where we are constantly reinforcing that that's a no-go. I wonder how often right. that happens in privately owned restaurants I would
1: think fairly often yeah you're not you're concerned you're not concerned with the health of it you're concerned with how it tastes right because people are going out to have they're expecting it to be to taste good I mean I was watching a food show today and the chef that was cooking cooked with his a bunch of butter I mean a lot of butter and I don't think most people know when they go out to a restaurant how much butter you're getting in your dishes. That's another one um, that, you know, and, but, and it's not bad on itself, but we're talking about a lot of butter. (laughs) You know, I had a friend who used to be a a manager of an Outback. Oh, I probably shouldn't say their name, whatever. (laughs) And that you would get like a, you would get, he said, on average, you got to stick a butter with your, each time you got a meal there. Oh, you got a no. stick of butter.
0: Well, surely so, that is not reflected in their <laughs> nutrient analysis.
1: Oh, yeah, no way. <laughs> no way. And, and if you look at what, and it depends on where it is, you know, not everybody's like that. And, and that may be somewhat of an exaggeration, but the point being, there is a lot of butter. And if you watch a, like the food show I watched today, they were doing a sweet potato, back to sweet potato. They were doing a sweet potato that you, that they were going to bake in the oven and they almost put a full, they used olive oil plus, she said three tablespoons, but it looked like it was over half a stick of butter of what for, they actually put in there. For how many and then potatoes? For one sweet potato because they poured it over.
0: Oh
1: See, no. And that's the thing. You can make anything, I'm way going off on a tangent, but you can make anything taste good. If you add a bun, if you add a lot salt and, and, butter, yeah, salt and salt, butter, salt and butter,
0: sugar, good. fat will do a lot for,
1: exactly. but like you said,
0: you get used to not having it. If it's restricted th- for a while, then you can actually taste yes. your food without all of those flavor enhancers.
1: And you don't need it. Right. You don't need it. You, and, and you, you, you taste the other, you really do taste the other product products. Gosh, you taste the other ingredients. Right. You know, much more so. And so, and that's the thing. Now, when I go to restaurants, that's more of what I'm, I'm a beer snob and a food snob. That's like the two things I'm really snobby about. And food wise, it's just because when I go places, I'm like, it's a lot of that. I'm like, I could do this better at my house. It would have been cheaper and it would have been healthier. Now, there are certain places, (laughs) there's a, a place in the middle of Atlanta that's in this it's kind of like a uh, it's almost a food court but it's sort of like a slightly upscale food court for lack of a better term but there's a place that has cheesesteak and i it, it's awesome and i know it's bad for me but it's awesome so it's the, you know what i mean so there's yeah there is a balance to that but i know that that, that product like
0: market or something
1: Yes, okay. it's a uh, Street Market. Breads, meat. that place is awesome. But I know that that's a well, that's not. It's not something I can eat every day. I can go eat it on, you know, I can eat it every now and then, and man, is it tasty. Yeah. But but if I think but then there's, a, and like I said, get off on a big tangent. But there's a lot of there's a lot of, of people that go out and eat, and I was like this that don't know that when you're in a restaurant. You're not eating healthy. And even if you're getting a salad, a lot of those dressings, sometimes the salads have more calories than other things on the menu.
0: And that's been – it's funny. I've gotten some feedback from teachers who are afraid to eat the lunch with us because they say, oh, Mm -hmm. it's not healthy enough. You know, it has too many calories. But those same people – Will ask for mm-hmm. two two ounce containers of dressing. I'm like, you do know what two plus two is, right? And you do know how many <laughs> ounces are <there laughs> in a cup. How in the world are you blaming <laughs> the salad when you chose to have it with half a cup of dressing? But that know, that is people aren't doing the math. That
1: is I guess. exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. That's exactly my point. And I was. I didn't I, – I was in the – I was the same way. I was in the same – yeah, I mean, now you – it's uh, – now I get that. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't before because I just didn't think about it. You just want to eat something that tastes good. You're right. like, hey, this is a salad, and I've got grilled uh, chicken on here. Probably I find, okay, I'll take two blue cheeses. Right. Right. You know, and and I still do that now. And then. That's the yeah, nice thing I, about
0: giving um, the kids the – building the habit for their norm to be the healthier option. Not that you have to do it all the time because if it's seldom, it's it's the pattern of how you eat that makes or breaks you, not, you know, those one-time things.
1: Right. Right. So
0: So what's one thing to close out that you're really proud of, either that the industry has accomplished or that you have personally accomplished since you started working with K-12?
1: I... I think industry-wise, you know, it makes me mad when I hear people talk about school lunch. You know, they think about when they were in school or whatever, and they just automatically think it's gross or, you know, they start using these things. I'm like, when was the last time you were actually in a school cafeteria? Right. You know, and I, I do think that the what's available now, now it still has to be a There's all there is the there is actually what's available, and then that it's cooked properly. Those are two separate things, but there is a lot of stuff out there that when it's cooked properly, it's really good,
2: right?
1: Um, and it's healthy. And so, like you said, I uh, getting to where kids at an earlier age and they're starting to see it on TV and on things, and people are becoming more conscientious but the school stuff really is the k-12 things really are healthier there's other things out there that people think are healthy and there may or may not be any evidence to back that up but the school stuff really is and if kids can start to see that and start to realize that what we put in our bodies affects us. And the older we get, the more it affects us. And, you know, some of the uh, stuff that's out there now talks about salt being over your whole lifetime. I do think that the products that are available K-12 really, there's a lot of them out there that are really, really good. The lunches that are out there now that I see are better than what I had both taste and health wise than when I was in school. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's a big accomplishment in itself.
1: It's huge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for coming on.
1: No problem. I hope I you know, I have a tendency to go down rabbit holes <laughs> and ramble on. So hopefully Well hopefully people for, have... I'll
0: never I I don't keep anybody on track. I go right down the rabbit hole with <laughs>
1: whoever takes me. Good. See that, That's where all the fun is. It's in the rabbit holes.
0: That's true. That's true. Procurement is such a broad topic. There are so many different areas we could focus on. I wanted to start with these general explanations as to how things work before we really started honing in on specifics. In the future, I'm definitely going to cover what our options are as far as the bid process goes. Why would you choose an RFP over an IFB? Why do people love to use acronyms and not explain what they stand for? we'll get into all of that in a future episode. I hope you enjoyed this one. Please share feedback and what questions you still have that weren't addressed in the episode. So we can tackle those with another guest in the future. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me. Remember, the only fee for the show is that you share it with others. Whenever you hear something useful, hopefully, that'll be every episode. All right, see you next time.